you, you know, they suspect smoking. <laughs> <laughs> smoking the horse. Smoking the horse. Yeah, we'll go with that. What are you doing up there late at night? We're smoking the horse. <laughs> Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 35 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today is from Cary, Illinois. Erica, welcome to You Are the Guest. Thank you, Bill, for having me. Erica, would you tell me about yourself? Sure. I'm Erica Huber. I'm from Cary, Illinois. I've started a non-for-profit organization called Giving Real Opportunities to Women. It's an organization that provides uh, women at risk of being on welfare or who are on welfare um, the opportunity to get themselves off of welfare, whether it is through education or through career uh, choices. We also run a child care center uh, connected to the organization and work on counseling um, both mother and child and I'm also a mother myself with a six-year-old little girl. We hear somebody in the background. Oh that would be the one-year-old <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with dad <laughs> and I have a master's in in family crisis counseling and I do advocacy for special needs children. How did you find out about You Are the Guest? My husband started to listen to you. And I said, well, that that's really interesting. And so then I listened to your episode with Josh in Japan. And, and I really enjoyed it. First question. Sure. What's right or wrong about the welfare system? You, you know, that's kind of loaded um what what's right about the welfare system is that it's needed what's wrong about the welfare system is that it stopped trying to allow people to progress off it and instead have been okay with people becoming reliant on it so what are the missing links the missing links as far as I'm concerned, is that the paperwork process to get on the welfare system is so intensive and so um, involved, but at no point in this paperwork process do they ask for what your goals are, what your ambitions are, and therefore it's it's just a system of paperwork. Once they get the, through the system, then they're just becoming a number. And instead of working on life goals and, and counseling, they count on them seeking that avenue out themselves. 
So are people within the system without goals and without direction? No, I think people within the system become depressed. They're in the system. Um, I think that they stop thinking that they have goals and they stop thinking that they can become productive people of society. And they're uncomfortable in, into what they've made into a comfortable situation because it becomes security for them. And also with a lot of the women I deal with, we call them excuses, but the welfare system allows them not to go out and seek a job because they can't afford the childcare and they can't afford the transportation to and from, and they'd rather be with their children. But unfortunately, they become extremely depressed and I think they lose their ambition, their goals in the process. How does burnout affect social workers? I think burnout causes social workers to stop trying. Um, if they're burned out, it really does become the standard, you know what, I'm going to get you through, I'm going to check you, make sure you've gotten everything done on this list, and I'm just moving you on into the system. Um, versus some of those newer social workers or those who just re don't get burned out or really enjoy it. There are those who just really have made differences in their clients. They tend to go an extra mile. Let me research this for you. Let's check this out. And when you get progress, then you don't burn out. But so many times the, these clients are somewhat habitual and they have habits of collecting the welfare that, you know, that, that burnout is somewhat inevitable, especially in certain areas. How do you not get emotionally attached to some of your clients? I think it would be a myth to say that people don't get emotionally attached to their clients, counselors, psychologists. Um, the reality is, is that you, you do take them home, but when you start putting them before your personal life or your own children, that's when the reality check kind of comes in when you start putting these people ahead of necessarily your own personal family. How do you know when a client is taking advantage of you or the system? When you work harder than the client. Um, also, there's those telltale signs after a while I guess the best example I have is that a twin club had contacted me recently saying that there was a woman who needed help relocated from the disaster in New Orleans and by the time I got done talking to her I realized she wasn't part of that disaster at all and so it's really just a matter of becoming a really good investigator of what people are needing. And then also, you know, when when people have taken advantage of, of your kindness um, for their own personal gains that, that weren't necessarily true. <laughs> so in other words, you have a little bit of a BS meter. A little bit of a BS meter. I, I will say, initially, when we started Grow, it was harder to figure out who those people were. Um, 
we came in a little bit more naive in that we wanted to help everybody. And some people didn't really want to be helped yet or they weren't at the place of being helped. And, and others... And others just wanted to see what they could gain financially. You said something interesting, which is that they aren't in the place of being helped. What place do they need to be at to be helped? I don't think that they realize they're not in the place of being helped yet because they seek you out for help, but they're not in when asked to take responsibility or accountability they they can't follow through on anything and so when they're not ready to be helped it means they're not ready to quite take responsibility for their life and i need them to be at least able to take responsibility for their actions in their life what is the percentage or what's just your kind of your your gut feeling that adults today who are on welfare were children of welfare moms I can see that rate being much higher in the inner cities. We are out in a suburb, and because we're out in the suburbs, they tend not to be second generation, though we do have a few. A lot of them are first generation, or they are what I call in, two wrong decisions in their life led them down this path. I mean, two really crucial decisions, and all of a sudden everything they had was lost. Are there more or less positive role models for women today than there were 20 years ago? I think there's more positive role models for women than, than there were 20 years ago. Um, Name one. But where we find an unbelievable number of women wanting to go into teaching and in nursing because that's the only thing they have really seen women do. It takes a lot of work for me to steer a woman down a technology path or steer a woman um, more towards uh, um, electricians and, and those types of blue-collar jobs because they don't have the women role models. Could you name one? <laughs> a one-woman role mo model that was a computer? Yeah, or you know, somebody, a, a, a woman role model in technology. A woman role model in technology. You know what? I couldn't personally, but I think my role models tend to be in the field of social work and um, counseling. So I actually have to seek out mentors for these women who are great in these fields. Who are women looking up to in, in their gender? Are they looking toward the politicians or are they looking toward movie oh, no. stars and entertainers? I think those movie stars and enter entertainers are, are everywhere. I think they, they're not often in to the political and the politicians. Actually, I think they feel like they have had a disservice done to them by the politicians in one way, shape, or form. Can you give me an example of that? Um, right now, the TANF, the Active Needy Families and Services, they've been reworking that in almost every state. And every time that that gets reworked, 
money gets taken away from them and not necessarily any form of help offered in other areas. It's just decreasing the money. So they look at this as the government just moving on without providing them any services. They also look at being somewhat forgotten by a, a state that finds it acceptable for them to work 24 hours and make money to raise their children but not spend any time with their children. So I think they feel like the government at, at times is the enemy and others just aren't aware of the government. When, especially when entertainment and what Britney Spears or if Jessica and Nick are still together <laughs> are on the front of the t magazines and on every news show. I saw something on TV that was kind of interesting, and they were posing the question, are women getting the wrong role models, especially when they see quote-unquote gold diggers such as Anna Nicole Smith? Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? I think I have a lot of women through GROW who believe that if they would just find the right husband, that they would be taken care of. And that kind of goes to the Anna Nicole Smith philosophy. Um, it disheartens me in many ways that they keep bringing men into their children's lives to, to take care of them. Because they've they're under the philosophy just one good man can can take all this away, and many times the type of men they find in this circumstance are not going to do that for them. So how do you break them away from that white knight syndrome? <laughs> Giving them back the confidence in themselves. Sometimes it is a year of hand-holding almost at every decision. And unfortunately, in many of these women's cases, too, the public school systems that they were in had labeled them very young as not being achievers. And I always find it amusing when we send them to, like, their first semester of classes, 90% of my women become straight-A students because they have the interest in learning. They want to learn now, and but they always come back and say, I'm smart, I really am smart. For years they thought they weren't smart. And that's when those white knights can come in because they really don't think they can control their lives. They really don't know any better. So when they get the confidence or security within themselves, then they don't necessarily need the white knight and it becomes more of a healthy relation. What's the big local news story in Cary, Illinois? Gosh, right now it's all about enrollment in preschools. And, and, and that this is the time you need to be checking out uh, what preschools to enroll your children in, in quality care. Sounds like things are shaking in Cary, Illinois. We're pretty low-key in Cary. So low-key, even the citizens need their own kindergarten mat. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> How's the state's health and human services treating you these days? 
Uh, DCFS and human services. Well, I guess I can tell you a quick story about uh, DCFS and in, in Carrie and why we were the news for a while. Um, when we started growing Carrie this year, uh, we had a neighbor who did not want us to operate a preschool. And I should say that before we bought Girl, it was a preschool for 43 years. So she had moved next door to it being a preschool. And when we bought it, she was so set that we wouldn't operate it that she called DCFS um, every day. <laughs> and if there's a complaint pending against you, they won't let you operate the building. So we actually had to use our local senator, which is Senator Altoff's office, and she got us our license to operate because our, our, my parents, who were set to send their kids to preschool, um, made 140 phone calls to our office in a matter of two hours. So we ended up getting our license. And ever since then, the Department of Child and Family Services have gotten along with us really well. And as far as the uh, social works and the welfare offices go, we've always had a great relationship. <laughs> Did you ever think about bribing your neighbor with cookies and brownies? You know, I think she's just one of those neighbors who has made us her personal cause not to operate <laughs> and not to run, grow. I used to joke I was going to hire someone as public relations. And that would just be their job to keep her in line. <laughs> I have a neighbor like that out here in my neighborhood. We just want to keep them quarantined. <laughs> it's pretty much that. The other neighbors of where the building are are absolutely wonderful indiv individuals. And they do a lot of work into keeping her somewhat at bay. So I appreciate all of them. <laughs> what are your thoughts about the U.S. port deal? You know, I don't have much of a thought on the U.S. port deal, except... Except? <laughs> except that it, it was a lack of government doing its research. You think? Yeah, big time. <laughs> Here are the final five questions. What's a little-known fact about autism? that it affects one out of 150 children. Is that on the rise from where it was 10 years ago? Oh, definitely. Um, reasoning behind that is purely speculation by professionals. We've gotten better at diagnosing it, um, environmental insults, um, that we do know that children with autism don't digest metals and the amount of chemicals that contain metal um, fibers and, and things like that um, can cause autism. And that's where the vaccination um, issue comes into play is that there's metals and vaccinations or there used to be metals and vaccinations. And there's now some research saying that um, parents have now been exposed to a certain chemical and, and at the time of conception that has been passed on, which is causing autism. So 
we're looking at now more environmental issues than ever before. Are there any national landmarks in Cary, Illinois? We are in a national landmark, sort of. <laughs> the Cary building that we have is 100 years old. It used to be the Hertz family mansion, and they had a Kentucky Derby winner. And there's rumors, not that I want my backyard dug up, but they buried the Kentucky Derby winner on the property with the winnings. Um, I've yet to find out if that's the jockey or the horse. You mean there's money buried in your backyard? That's the rumor. I, I'm, I've yet to find out if that's the case, but we, we do know that the uh, Kentucky Derby winner kind of happened during the Great Depression and when people weren't trusting the banks. What was the name of the horse? That I don't know. You think I would do better research than that. <laughs> you want to hear my solution to that? You, you Metal get, detector? <laughs> no. What you do is you get a bunch of dogs uh-huh. back there and you go, buffet is served. Uh, yeah, well, every time we do like a remodeling to the building, we're, we're all outside going like, is today the day we're going to find it? The, the other interesting thing you said is you didn't know whether it was the horse or the jockey. Yeah. What do you think of like Jimmy Hoffa, the jockey, is buried back there? You know, I don't know if the uh, what happened to to the jockey, um, but we do know that the jockeys had the mansion after they finished building their second one. They gave the mansion to the jockeys, and the jockeys have left remnants all over that building where they've played cards and horseshoes. There's even a um, mark in the attic where they set a fire. <laughs> Doing what? Barbecuing the dead horse? You, you know, they suspect smoking. <laughs> <laughs> smoking the horse. Smoking the horse. Yeah, we'll go with that. Smoking the horse. What are you doing up there late at night? We're smoking the horse. Okay. What do you like to do for fun other than smoking the horse? <laughs> I love swimming and i love spending time with my my daughter and my son um we love kind of taking these little excursions and these um these little walks through through nature paths and things like that but low-key things i i always say there's so much drama at my work i don't need it at my home (laughs) Good for you. Like dead horses in your backyard. Kids, don't bring home those dead horses. Yeah, we're really anti-dead horses at home. Good for you. Me too. (laughs) What's the funniest daycare story you could share with us today? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have one. Um, I um, I have a friend who has a daycare. And there was a little girl who was quite a prankster and she went ahead and she just collapsed on on the playground and she laid perfectly still there and the teacher came running over and shaking her and shaking her and she wouldn't move and she kept it up for like 10-15 minutes and 
the teacher called 911. The paramedics got there and she jumped up and she said, ha ha, got you. You know what we used to call that in school? Detention. <laughs> the dead horse routine. <laughs> the dead horse routine. See, it all ties in. <laughs> Final question. What do you hope to accomplish with GROW over the next 10 years? You know, I hope that we're getting 100 women a year off of the dependency of welfare. And I, I hope that we're helping more children than ever before. I, I People always ask if we started GROW for women, and, and we did. But we also started it for their children because it is so important that children have parents as good role models. And unfortunately, when women just don't feel like they're being successful, they don't make the best role models. Erica, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. And you, all the way from Cary, Illinois, get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Okay. If you were ever interviewed by Oprah or Bill Gay. What what would you like them to ask you about yourself? Is $10 million a year for an annual salary too much for you? <laughs> if they gave you $10 million, would you donate a portion to me? <laughs> I would set up my own charitable organization and make sure it was spread around to enough people to do a lot of things. So, sure, you'd be on the list. What do you feel is the biggest misconception about welfare? That people like being on it. I'll agree with you. There seems to be the, the stereotypical family that I'm on welfare and I enjoy it and I'd rather be on welfare than having to go to work because if I go to work, then it's going to cost me this much in child care and I'm just better off being on welfare. And in most cases, that's not true. Do you share that opinion from your experience? I do. I think that people are unfortunately forced into the option of welfare. What's question number three? Qu question number three. Hold on, I got to find question number three. It's under the dead horse. Oh, I'm, I'm going to dig may, it up. Maybe I'm beating a dead horse. <laughs> beating the expired equine. Wow, those are big words. Yeah, $25 <laughs> each. That's a 50-buck sentence right there. Right now, what would you say is the biggest cause that's getting overlooked in the United States? I think so much of it just is on a domestic level. We have put a lot of our efforts into overseas, especially with the war, and especially in the war on terrorism. And um, you know, there there are a lot of social costs that just aren't being met, and uh, that's going to be a big sticking point here for you know, the upcoming election, especially when we look at uh, representatives for the Senate and the House of Representatives, it's it's going to be a big factor. The domestic problems in this country are going to come to light. What's your opinion? Yeah. I, I agree. 
and every non-for-profit that I work with gets a little nervous when Republicans have the majority because we feel like those domestic issues get kind of swept under the rug. Aren't you afraid of how the Democrats are portraying themselves, though? Oh, yeah. We, unfortunately, too, they run a little bit too parallel to the Republican Party on domestic issues. And I think what brings more domestic issues to light is when more women are in office as well and diversity as a quick poll who do you think is going to be the democratic nod for 2008 oh well in the state of illinois we love barack obama um but we don't see that necessarily happening you know right now hillary clinton stands a pretty good chance but i think it's almost too early Oh, I think the Republicans are setting her up. They're they're going at her and just saying, "Oh, you know, don't send Hillary in. Whatever you do, don't send Hillary in." And everybody's going to vote for Hillary and then she's just going to take one punch to the chops and she's going to be out like a light and the Republicans are going to gain control. I'm actually concerned about that myself. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> We'll see if the predictions are right. Erica, do you want to tell about your podcast and also a, a little bit more information about Grow? Sure. Um, we do the Grow podcast. It really talks about uh, women's issues, special needs issues for children, family issues, and counseling. It's about seven minutes long. It's just good, solid advice and experiences. Um as a local reviewer said, it, it's niche, <laughs> and it is niche. It, it has its niche, and for those who are interested in, you know, family or family advice or have a special needs child, then it's a great podcast, and it really has helped promote GROW and what GROW is trying to do. So we're really happy to be one of the first non-for-profits to do a podcast. Erica, thank you so much for being a guest on You Are the Guest. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Music coming up by the Ava Raiders and Sweet Justice up after the break. Hi, this is John Bischke from LearnOutloud.com, where people go to enrich their lives and become better at things that are really important to them. One of our titles that I'd like to recommend to you is Bill Grady's audio seminar titled How You Can Create Advertising That Really Works. It's a very common sense approach to answering all the questions that many small business owners have when it comes to doing advertising effectively and efficiently. And the best part about Bill's audio seminar is that it comes with a money back guarantee. For more information on Bill Grady's How You Can Create Advertising That Really Works, go to learnoutloud.com forward slash Bill Grady. Learnoutloud.com, changing the way the world learns. If you'd like to be a guest, it's real easy to find out how. Just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com and click Be the Guest for all the details. That takes care of another edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa.
I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.
Music provided from the Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com.